How do you transition out of a dieting phase to maintain your results? You finally reached your fat loss goal and now want to keep that hard-earned lean physique without overshooting and gaining a bunch of weight or fat? Do you keep cycling between cutting and bulking or can you live at maintenance for a while? And if so, how do you do it effectively? Today, I'll share with you an evidence-based approach to help you seamlessly transition out of an intense or prolonged calorie deficit so you can sustain your physique and optimize your performance. We'll get into everything you need to know, including mindset, metrics, nutrition, training, and common pitfalls so you can master maintenance with confidence. Maybe your goal is to stay photo shoot shredded year-round, to maximize your strength-to-weight ratio as an athlete, or just enjoy your results without going straight into a bulk and gaining more fat. Either way, you'll learn in this episode how to sustain your results for the long term. Welcome to the Wits and Weights podcast. I'm your host, Philip Pape, and this twice-a-week podcast is dedicated to helping you achieve physical self-mastery by getting stronger, optimizing your nutrition, and upgrading your body composition. We'll uncover science-backed strategies for movement, metabolism, muscle, and mindset with a skeptical eye on the fitness industry so you can look and feel your absolute best. Let's dive right in. Wits and Weights community, welcome to another solo episode of the Wits and Weights podcast. In our last episode, 135, The Truth About Testosterone for Women's Health with Karen Martell, Karen was back to chat about the role of testosterone in women's health and vitality, who might benefit from testosterone therapy, common questions related to the benefits, safety, dosage, and much more. Today, for episode 136, How to Maintain a Lean Physique Year-Round Without Cuts or Bulks, I'm equipping you with a blueprint to effortlessly transition out of a fat loss phase or an intense cut into a sustainable maintenance phase so that you can recover quickly from the deficit as quickly as possible, optimize your performance without going to extremes, and lock in your hard-earned lean physique year-round. Maintenance is a critical but often overlooked phase of fitness. It kind of sounds boring just staying where you are, but it's very important, especially when transitioning from a fat loss period. And even though we often emphasize cuts and bulks for those going after body composition changes, sometimes living at maintenance, what you've heard called the magic of maintenance, is the best option when you're looking to sustain an optimal physique and performance level that you've already worked hard to achieve. Maintenance allows for metabolic recovery from that calorie deficit. And for example, athletes who rely on a particular strength to weight ratio might want to avoid extreme changes that come with cuts and bulks. And honestly, sustaining an ideal physique year round provides its own form of predictability and consistency. Now, I'll be honest, I wasn't even considering doing an episode about maintenance because it's not that sexy of a topic. But one of our listeners, Neil, reached out to me last month on Instagram. Uh, at Wits and Weights, and he inspired this episode. I'd like to read what he sent me because, you know, he made some good points. It inspired the episode, and I thought many of you who listen to this show would relate to them. He said, quote, Hi, Philip. I recently found your podcast, and I'm really loving it. I've successfully used a high-protein, macrofactor-tracking, flexible dieting approach to achieve about 10 to 12% body fat, and I'm 50 years old. Congrats, Neil, on that. I do strength training and nutrition to help achieve my athletic goals in rock climbing where I perform at a relatively high level. One thing I've noticed in the fitness industry is that about 70% of nutrition discussion focuses on fat loss and 30% focuses on bulking. However, pretty much 0% is focused on maintenance. 
This is unfortunate because the performance period of many athletes is best when they are consuming maintenance level calories. In addition, I imagine that most people find a body composition that they are happy with, but there's almost no information how to maintain this composition through combining exercise and nutrition over long periods of time. I believe many people would like to go from cut to maintenance rather than to a bulk. However, I found this is not easy. I would love to hear more discussion about what happens to the body after going from a cut to maintenance. How can we make this transition psychologically? How can we expect our body to adapt? Can we expect some weight gain or loss during this transition? What are people's experience with this? I would love to hear you discuss this on your podcast. I assume you have a lot of experience with maintenance periods, and I think your audience would love to hear about how you program in maintenance for clients. Awesome. Awesome question. I'm so glad you asked me that, Neil, and that's what this episode's all about. And if you're listening, thank you, first of all, for listening to the show and supporting it, but also for bringing this up and inspiring the episode. I just hope I do it justice for you and that you find it helpful. Um, My personal experience is that there are often more psychological, more mental challenges than anything when it comes to staying at maintenance, especially for those of us who are always chasing that next goal. So I'll be covering all of those aspects today, those and the physical ones as well, of course. By the way, today's episode is brought to you by Wits and Weights Nutrition Coaching. Yes, I'm promoting myself because this show is completely ad-free, so why not? Uh, I started Wits and Weights to help people who want to build muscle, lose fat, who want to look like they lift. And if that's you, if that resonates with you, uh, my one-on-one coaching focused on engineering your physique and body composition is for you. If you want expert guidance and want to get results faster, easier, with fewer frustrations along the way to actually look like you lift, just go to witsandweights.com slash coaching or use the link in my show notes to apply. I'll ask you a few short questions to decide if we're a good fit. And if we are, we'll get you started this week. And by the way, I don't keep anything secret. I don't hide anything behind my program. If you go to witsandweights.com slash coaching, you can watch a video where I walk you through the entire process. And then when you apply, I'll be fully upfront about the price. I'll answer any questions you have. No high pressure sales calls, no funnels, nothing like that, because I don't like that stuff. And I'll be honest though, if, if you're new to this podcast, um, you might want to check out some of my other episodes first to get to know me and make sure I'm a good fit for you because there are a lot of nutrition coaches out there. There's a ton if, you've, if you follow social media and you've got to like and trust the person that you are going to work with. Um, one other thing you can do is step into our Facebook community and ask others what they think and get a vibe for the community and my style of coaching. And then the last thing is if you want a world-class education in personalized nutrition without the cost of going to college or dozens of courses, coaching could be perfect to, for you because I take a very education-centric approach. So you'll learn a ton in the process. Um, so if you're driven to learn, if you have a high level of curiosity, if you love to take action to improve your health, I think you'll love working with me. Again, just go to witsandweights.com slash coaching to apply or click the link in my show notes. All right, with that, let's get into today's topic, the blueprint for maintaining a lean physique year round without cuts or bulks. Let's start with what is maintenance and why is a maintenance phase so important? First, if you don't know what I'm talking about, maintenance simply refers to eating the same amount of calories you burn so that you maintain your weight. You don't gain weight, you don't lose weight, your maintenance calories. A maintenance phase or what we might call living at maintenance uh, for the long term or even months or even years is meant to sustain the physique and performance level that you achieved during a cut, okay, a fat loss phase. 
So if you've never gone through a muscle building phase and then a subsequent fat loss phase or a cut to improve your body composition, maintenance probably won't be very helpful other than to achieve body recomposition for individuals who are new to lifting or returning from a long absence or as a prep phase for a fat loss phase. So today's episode is not really about body recomp at maintenance for beginners, but rather shifting from cutting to maintenance so that you can sustain your results. Now, it's still relevant to everyone listening because all of you want to get to that point and it will happen pretty quickly if you you know, follow the advice we talk about on this show. Um, other athletes like athlete like or other populations like athletes might find this relevant as well, for sure. Just like Neil, who wrote in about, uh, you know, being a rock climber. So really anyone coming out of a fat loss phase is going to benefit from this discussion. The question is, why is it beneficial? All right. One reason maintenance is helpful is it prevents having to plan for and endure and constantly tweak and go through these constant cycles of cutting and bulking. Some people just don't want to do that and constantly be gaining and losing weight. Maintenance also allows you to consolidate your progress and kind of stay there and celebrate it and hold on to it for a while rather than what might seem like undoing your fat loss, so to speak, during a subsequent bulk. You're not you're not really going to undo your fat loss. You're you're going to use a bulk to build muscle, but many people have that perception and if you feel more comfortable at maintenance first, this could be a reason why. It's also helpful like I mentioned before for athletes who are in say weight class sports or fitness competitors, models, actors, essentially anyone wanting to stay lean long-term without driving themselves crazy with the big changes that come with cuts and bulks. And again, I don't, I, it doesn't drive me crazy to do those things. Lots of us love to go through that, those cycles, but many of you don't want to do that or don't need to, or need to stay at maintenance for other reasons. All right. So to recap, a maintenance phase avoids the yo-yo effect of body composition. It prevents your metabolic adaptation from going up and down all the time, right? So you can stay relatively consistent with your expenditure. It improves hormones and energy because you're not in a deficit. So this is really important when we talk about energy availability. And then it cultivates a constant or consistent diet and training lifestyle. So that's the that's sort of the intro to maintenance. Now let's talk about the psychological shift to maintenance because this is probably the thing that holds people up the most. Transitioning to maintenance after you work really hard in a calorie deficit can be mentally taxing. In fact, I've had clients who work with me for the sole purpose of getting to that point of what it's like to successfully come out of a diet into maintenance. Really, like on the call when we talk, they're like, yeah, I want to lose fat, but really I want to learn what it takes to come out of fat loss and not be scared of gaining weight or actually gaining weight um, and, and repeating the cycle I've done in the past. So you listening to this, my dear listener, may experience this fear of regaining weight or too much fat if you increase those calories, especially after you've been in a prolonged deficit. And it, it almost feels counterintuitive, right? After you've dieted down for so long. So what I want you to understand is that a calorie increase to get back to maintenance combined with smart training is absolutely 100% necessary to sustain your long-term leanness because we don't want to stay in a diet. That, that's a fact. So the only thing that's not a diet is at least being back to maintenance. Now, remember, you are not going into a surplus by eating more. You're simply coming out of a low energy state of a calorie deficit and returning to a state where you will not lose or gain weight. So just wrap your head around that, right? Is that you're not, you're not overeating to come to maintenance. 
you are stopping the undereating. It's a difference. So give yourself permission to eat more while trusting the process. And hopefully going through this episode and referring to it again in the future will help you do that. Avoid thinking in extremes or getting anxious over small changes. It's really about being patient, controlling what you can, the thing that's in your sphere of influence, hitting your macros, training hard, and not getting fixated on scale weight. Because when you go to maintenance, it's very common to fear the scale weight increases, especially since you will you will gain a few pounds initially from water weight. Just accept that. That is going to happen, okay? However, you don't want to slow down your recovery by keeping the calories too low. I just spoke to somebody earlier today whose expenditure was dropping after she went back to maintenance, and it's probably because she's still under eating. Even though it's more than when she was dieting, it's not quite enough, and so the body is not quite recovering. And so this could just prolong the effects of being in a deficit, which is what we're trying to avoid. Now, if you're using Macrofactor, you'll know your exact expenditure at any given point in time, and you can confidently increase calories immediately, literally the next day if you want to, to your post-diet maintenance level. Post-diet maintenance level. Not the, not the maintenance level before you started the diet, the maintenance level you're at right now. And then that level, that expenditure should then start to rise as your hormones and energy recover. And the caveat is if they don't, you're probably still under eating if no other variables have changed. Like obviously, if, you, if your step count goes from 15,000 to 2,000, that would be another cause of your expenditure dropping. But assuming nothing else changes, your hormones and energy should start to recover. And this is where it's important to trust the process and not react to short-term fluctuations because you'll see things that happen that just may not make sense in the short term, like with your scale weight. It may feel like you're taking a step back because it seems like you're eating too much, for example. For some people, it's like, wow, this just seems like a lot of calories. Or the extra carbs make you feel a bit fuller or bloated because of the additional glycogen and water retention. But this whole thing we're talking about here is a transition period. All of these feelings are normal, and this is where that, that mental resilience and patience are going to be your friend as you stick with it and come out the other side. So patience is required to get through this phase until you see from your longer term weight trend, okay, we're talking three, four weeks and longer, and your biofeedback, right? How you feel, your energy, your sleep or stress. Based on all of that, it will tell you that, yes, you're indeed at a new level of energy and performance. And guess what? You're not going to all of a sudden gain a bunch of weight. Other than that small bump initially from water weight, you should more or less maintain your weight. And even the person I spoke about earlier whose expenditure started to drop, her weight went up by maybe two pounds over two months since coming out of the diet. And most of that was at the beginning because of the water. The last tip I have for the mental side is track and measure those things that you can control that should be moving in a positive direction. This could be the most important tip of all because this is what gives you clarity and awareness to know that your choices are causing a certain outcome. So this would include your calories and macros, your lifts, your sleep, the self-care practices to help manage stress, all of those things. You should feel a whole lot better at maintenance pretty quickly if you fully recover to your current expenditure. So on one hand, if you're not, you know something is not quite recovered. And then on the other hand, if you are, I want you to embrace that. Embrace that because that means it's working. 
All right. So that's that's the psychological piece of it. There, there isn't a lot more other than trusting the process, being patient, and being aware of what's going on and knowing that certain things are going to happen that seem counterintuitive at first, but they're really not. So now let's talk about the physiology of maintenance, right? What's happening to your body physically? Because then this awareness can also further improve your mental perception of the situation. So when transitioning from a cut to maintenance, you're going to get this fluid shift and the scale weight's going to rebound, as I mentioned before. And it could be by uh, what I see with my clients, anywhere from three to five pounds. It's probably less than that, but I, I, I want to prepare you mentally for it. And if you're a little bit bigger, if you're a bigger man, for example, you, it might be up to four or five pounds on the scale weight of pure fluid shifts. Okay. It's going to be more or less depending on your relative size, but it's important to be aware of that. This is just glycogen storage. This is intracellular water normalizing back to their full levels. Um, as you increase calories, also, this is a different thing that happens. Hunger hormones, leptin, ghrelin, those improve. So your satiety, your fullness should increase. If you are experiencing hunger during a diet, that should start to dissipate and go away, right? Your appetite and hunger should go back to normal levels. Now, again, it may not, the transition period is the period where you just trust the process and you don't react. After that, after let's say three or four weeks, the hunger should be back to normal. If you're still experiencing hunger, that's a possible sign that you're still under eating. Now, here's the other thing. Your metabolism will definitely, well, I'll say likely, but almost definitely, have down-regulated, have decreased from the calorie deficit, right? Metabolic adaptation. This adaptation should reverse when you go back to maintenance calories, right? However, it may remain a little bit suppressed for a few weeks during the transition period. So again, <laughs> transition period, trust the process. Um, and this is why there's a little hack that I like to use with my clients, and I've mentioned it before, called the top side of maintenance. So if you're using macro factor, this is really easy. Instead of just setting a goal to maintain, knowing that A, you're going to actually gain a few pounds to be at the beginning anyway, and you don't want macro factor to be maintaining you at an artificially low weight, but then B, uh, you want to make sure to recover as fast as possible, what we're going to do is set the app to a goal of gain but set the rate of gain to as small as possible. So there's a little slider. You're going to go left well below the green area to almost no gain at all, but it's still considered a gain from the app's perspective. And so the app will give you a, a calorie target to eat, to consume, that slightly overshoots your maintenance calories. And we're doing this with the expectation that your expenditure will start increasing quickly as it recovers and helps you avoid being in an accidental deficit. Um, and that's the guidance I just gave the person I mentioned earlier is why don't we overshoot? Um, and she's not doing it this way. She's, she's set a goal to maintain, but she's over consuming by 50 to hundred calories every day at my suggestion to see if that actually helps her recover fully. Um, and, and she's in kind of a suppressed state right now, but a nice easy way to do it in macro factor where I have to think about it is just set it to a gain with a really low rate. However you do it, the key here is to manage your expectations. Your body prefers homeostasis, right? Prefers to be at a stable state. So it will be regaining equilibrium through multiple adaptations. It's not a simple linear thing, right? There's a lot of hormones. There's a lot of complexity involved. And as you improve and as your energy improves, it cascades and helps other things improve as well. Like for example, you could sleep more or you could train harder, right? And then these will all feed on themselves. So to recap, physiologically during maintenance, in the transition to maintenance, 
it is normal for glycogen storage and intracellular water to balance, meaning you're going to get a bump in weight. There are multiple signals in your body that regulate homeostasis, so it's more complex than you realize. You are not regaining fat and you are not losing muscle and your fat cells are filling with water during the transition. Very important to understand all of that so we don't overreact during that transition. All right, so now let's move to some practical matters. First off, how do you set your calories and macros for maintenance? You might think that being at maintenance means you no longer need to track your food. My answer to that is maybe. (laughs) One of the interesting challenges at maintenance is that you are aiming to avoid going into an accidental diet, uh, you know, deficit or diet, which would impede your energy and performance. But you're also trying to avoid gaining weight too quickly and producing unnecessary fat regain. So you could eat intuitively based on the skills that you've built so far. And I have had a few clients that take this approach that eat a lot of whole foods. They're in touch with their hunger signals and they track when they gain and they lose, but they don't track on maintenance. I've definitely seen this work. My recommendation here, however, is continue tracking for a while until you're completely confident in those skills and intuition. Okay. I spoke about this with Dr. Eric Helms when he was on the show. And even he, it took years and years for him to develop that, right? And he recommends most people track in some way. It doesn't hurt to track and measure the things that you want more confidence in measuring, right? In being aware of, especially, especially when you still harbor some of that, you know, fear about going to maintenance, whether it's fear of gaining weight or any other fears. So having said that, what do those targets, what do those minimums look like? Um, And here we go. As soon as you're done with your cut, I want you to increase calories as quickly as possible to your current expenditure, your current maintenance calories. Not the maintenance calories before you started the diet, the ones you're ending the diet with, which means you would have had to track to that point to know what those are. And using a tool like Macrofactor or a spreadsheet or some other way to estimate it, right? Because apps like MyFitnessPound Chronometer aren't going to do that for you. And or they'll do it and it's actually completely wrong. I've talked about this before. I don't want to rehash all that, but be careful what tool you use. The trick here is that you must know your current dynamic maintenance to be able to do that. Um, I did an episode. I, I don't have the number with me right now. It was about reverse dieting versus recovery dieting. So you can go back and find it. Um, I think the title was why reverse dieting doesn't work like you think, right? And the idea is that a reverse diet is increasing calories slowly by, let's say, 200 calories this week, 200 calories next week, uh, until your body recovers after a diet. The problem with that approach is, first of all, it's guesswork. Um, Secondly, it takes too long. And third, it doesn't provide any benefits that people claim that it provides for whatever. There there are many benefits that it claims. I talk about in the episode, one of them being you can, you know, increase your metabolism and make dieting easier next time, for example. There's a whole bunch of claims that are just false. Whereas recovery dieting is simply going from your deficit to no deficit. That's all it is. It's going from a deficit up to zero deficit. And the the way you know you're at zero deficit is you're eating what you burn. You have to know what you burn. That's it. (laughs) So if you don't already use Macrofactor, literally the only food logging app in existence that does this correctly, pause right now, download it from your app store, use my code WITSANDWAITS, all one word, WITSANDWAITS, to extend your free trial by a week, give it a shot. You'll need to use it for about three weeks to get a good idea of your true maintenance calories. Now, hopefully you already used Macrofactor during your dieting phase and now have the confidence to jump right to your maintenance calories. Okay, that's 
We're kind of assuming you've gone through that, you've tracked, you know where it is and you can jump. Otherwise, it's hard. I mean, it's it's harder to know what to jump back to without overshooting or undershooting. Because if you undershoot, you're not going to be getting enough recovery. And if you overshoot, of course, the fear of gaining weight becomes true because you could that's what happens to most people when they yo-yo cycle throughout their life is they come back and they overconsume, not to mention they're not training, so they're losing muscle and then they're gaining only fat and all that good stuff. All right. So the the caveat with the macro factor thing of jumping straight to your dynamic maintenance is that if you were in a fairly aggressive diet, like a thousand calorie deficit or more, let's say, the jump back might feel like too much to do in like one or two days. That's all. It might feel like, wow, I, you know, your, your stomach can't even handle it. Your digestion, that's fine. It's okay to titrate it up over a few days, let's say two or 300 calories a day until you get there. Your body will adapt quickly. This is not a reverse diet. <laughs> reverse diet is like, okay, we're just going to shift by 200 calories this week, see what happens. All right, now we're going to shift by 200 calories next week, see what happens. Totally different. This is just quickly jumping calories until you get to what you know you want to be right now. It's, it's like stair-stepping up to your current maintenance. Hey, this is Philip, and I hope you're enjoying this episode of Wits and Weights. I started Wits and Weights to help people who want to build muscle, lose fat, and actually look like they lift. I've noticed that when people improve their strength and physique, they not only look and feel better, they transform other areas of their life, their health, their mental resilience, and their confidence in everything they do. And since you're listening to this podcast, I assume you want the same things, the same success, whether you recently started lifting or you've been at this for a while and want to optimize and reach a new level of success. Either way, my one-on-one coaching focused on engineering your physique and body composition is for you. If you want expert guidance and want to get results faster, easier, and with fewer frustrations along the way to actually look like you lift, go to witsandweights.com and click on coaching or use the link in my show notes to apply today. I'll ask you a few short questions to decide if we're a good fit, if we are, we'll get you started this week. Now, back to the show. So that's calories. Now, within the calories, you know, we talk about our macros all the time, but we're going to reiterate protein should be set around 0.7 to 1 gram per pound of your new body weight. Fat, probably around 30% of your calories, maybe more, maybe less. And then the rest is carbs. So when you do the math, you'll see that the biggest jump comes from carbs because protein should be around what it was during the diet. If anything, it might come down a little bit, excuse me. And then the fat comes up because it's scaled. It's scaled with calories, right? 30% of your calories at a lower calorie, it's going to be higher at a higher calorie, obviously. But then the rest is carbs. And so carbs will see the biggest jump. And that is where some of the fear and the feelings around weight gain and fat gain come into play. I know it. I hear it all the time. That's where the fear comes. It's like, oh boy, now I, I, I have to eat, I have to eat this many more carbs. Now, I look at it as I get to eat all these extra carbs and the energy is going to flood in. And hopefully you can shift to having that positive approach and trust the process and enjoy those carbs for the added performance, recovery, energy that they bring you. We love carbs on this show. This is not a low carb diet show. Okay. Now you can consume a low carb diet and I'll be your friend and you can get results. Uh, but we are not anti-carb is my point. If you have no intolerances and if you enjoy carbs, they are a beautiful part of a flexible lifestyle and will help tremendously when you're trying to build muscle. So here, that was my carb rants for today's episode. So once you've jumped up, you've got your protein, fat, and then the carbs increased to where they need to be. Over the next, say, two to four weeks, 
you're likely going to make weekly adjustments in response to your metabolism, which may start climbing, though it may not. Everyone responds a bit differently, okay? The key here is not to fall into an accidental deficit because we want to at least ensure, give us the best chance of that complete recovery as, f- as fast as possible. And by chance, I don't mean it's not going to happen for you. It will. But I've definitely seen cases where you, your body needs more energy than you think it does for the maintenance. And because you're still under eating a little bit, it slows down the recovery. So if you're using Macrofactor, this is super easy. Any other app will require a lot more manual calculation on your part to keep up with your expenditure, but either way, also track and monitor the things that you care about during this process. Okay, strength and progress in your lifts, circumference measurements, biofeedback, all the things we talk about. Track, track, track. You see, I'm a big fan of data and tracking and awareness. I have calls with people all the time who who are looking for guidance or, you know, we have a results breakthrough session or they're interested in coaching. And I'm always, no, I shouldn't say I'm surprised because I've been there and we've all been there, but I was going to say, I'm always surprised at how little they're tracking things that could have given them an answer weeks or months ago. For, For example, just tracking your waist measurement weekly can reveal a lot of things. If you hit a plateau on your scale weight, like if you hit, if you're in a dieting phase and your scale weight plateaus, um, and let's say it plateaus for three weeks, but your waist dropped by an inch and a half during that three weeks. You you maybe you may have been gaining muscle and losing fat at the same time, and that caused the scale weight to flatline. However, you were becoming leaner, right? Little things like that, and so that's not a judgment on anyone. In fact, it's why I want you to reach out to me and schedule a call and talk, so we can go over what you're doing and say, hey, let's audit you know what you're tracking. If there's a couple things you could just add to your tracking portfolio, so to speak, that are easy and give you way more awareness, um, that's gonna that's gonna really accelerate your progress. So. Remember that your activity level also affects your expenditure, okay? And you're going to have more energy to lift now with the carbs and the calories. You're going to be able to lift a bit harder, a bit heavier. You're probably going to be able to walk and move more consciously or unconsciously, sub or consciously, or what's the word I'm looking for? (laughs) Um, Subconsciously? Yes. (laughs) And all of these things would further ramp up your metabolism. So it's very interesting. When you actually get all the energy you need to recover from a cut to a maintenance, um, it starts to feed on itself and your expenditure does not remain fixed. I mean, this is the big, um, the big irony of being at maintenance that to maintain your weight, you need to adjust your calories regularly and not assume they'll be the same. That's why I said tracking versus intuitive eating is going to be more beneficial for a lot of people. Uh, the rules of higher protein for building muscle of improving your body composition still apply, but now much higher carbs are part of the equation especially if you're trying to build muscle. So, it, you know, a low carb, a keto diet is going to make that much harder. It just is, right? And we're talking about going back to maintenance and being recovered and building muscle. Um, check out my episode 126 on that, actually. It's called More Carbs, More Muscle, Why Low Carb and Keto Are Keeping You Skinny Fat. I got a lot of great um, comments on that one, including some hater comments, which I always love. You know, people who they see the title, don't even listen to the episode, and it's like, oh, how can you tell people that, you know, you, you have, you should eat all these carbs. It's terrible for your health. You're going to get fat or, you know, oh, you could build muscle just fine in a low carb. And it's like, li- listen to the show and listen to the full context, please, before you reach out. And for those who do, and then um, offer criticism and critique, oh, I love you guys. Like, it's great. We need to have those dialogues and conversations because not one thing is going to work for everyone. And I never claim that everyone should be eating moderate to high carb diets. 
what I claim is you should not cut out anything um, when evidence doesn't support cutting it out. Okay, now that brings us to how to structure your nutrition around your workouts. So we talked about the calories and the carbs. The extra carbs are going to make it easier to fuel your workouts. Um, Still, you want to shift a large part of your carbs around your workout, what we call peri-workout, right? This maximizes your energy during your lifting sessions. It also maximizes the repair, the hypertrophy response of your muscles, the protein sparing effect of, of that and subsequent recovery. So not only do we like the carbs, we like to time the carbs around our workouts. Put it into numbers. The numbers are as follows. I recommend 25 to 40 grams of protein before and after training and about 30 to 50 grams of carbs pre-workout up to 100 grams of carbs post-workout in something like a two to one or three to one ratio of carbs to protein. So I know I just threw a lot of numbers at you, but it's basically get a decent amount of protein before and after, get a decent amount of carbs before and after, but definitely a lot of carbs after and maybe even more carbs than that um, if your calories support it. I do not recommend fasted training. However, if you must due to your schedule, due to your medications, or it works well for you (laughs) and you really love, you know, time-restricted feeding, intermittent fasting, that approach, and that works for you, then do it, right? I don't recommend it as a default is what I'm trying to say. I recommend trying both approaches and don't assume that there's some extra benefit to intermittent fasting. Now, I don't know if it came out before after this episode. I think it's after this episode. There's a conversation I had. Uh, with a gentleman where uh, we were, we talked about intermittent fasting and, and he does it because it makes him feel good, right? And his body's used to it and great. That's awesome. Plus he has intolerances with a bunch of types of foods that contain certain carb sources. If you train fasted, you might want to gulp down some essential amino acids before you work out. That's the only scenario where I think they're probably helpful. Other than that, they're a waste of money and you don't need them if you're not training fasted. Definitely whoever you are, consider taking creatine monohydrate, right? Unless you're allergic to it, which actually is a thing. I had one client in all my time that was allergic to it and I'd never seen that my entire life since, before or since, but it's possible. But um, yeah, creatine monohydrate, five grams a day. That can be taken post-workout or really whenever it's convenient, hot, cold, with, without caffeine. Don't overthink it. Uh, And of course, space your protein throughout the day across at least three meals, but more likely four or five depending on how many calories you need. Now, why am I repeating lots of things that I've said before on on previous episodes? First of all, this may be the first episode you've heard with me. Secondly, when we're talking about maintenance, I want this to be sort of a definitive guide of, okay, you're back at maintenance. We need to treat this seriously and take a solid nutrition and training approach. There's nothing, you know, it's not like a cakewalk. It still requires being in control and thinking and having awareness and making choices, Uh, but it can still be a very flexible, liberating approach we can take. All right. Now I'm going to share two advanced strategies that I use with clients since Neil did ask about what I do with clients. The first is, I've already alluded to it, and it's to use an extremely lean gain instead of pure maintenance. All right. Now I mentioned setting macrofactor to a gain and going with a very low rate. What I'm talking about here is maybe a little bit more than that. So not quite a normal gain of like 0.1 to 0.3% of your body weight, but maybe 0.05 or 0.08. I know it sounds like, how can you be that precise? Well, again, if you're using MacroFactor or if you're working with a coach, we can be that precise. Um, you know, with, within reason, it's close enough. 
Now, I like this very lean gain because it almost guarantees that you don't dip into an energy starving deficit, even the smallest one, even just for a couple of days that can impede your performance. And for Neil and others who are athletes, you know, who are worried about strength to weight ratio, I like this because you're really not going to gain much weight at all. It's going to be over a very long period of time, but you're going to ensure that you have the energy flooding in because you're effectively here in a building phase, not nearly the amount needed to maximize muscle gain, but the benefit is also you're not going to really gain much fat at, at as a trade-off, right? As a trade-off of also not really gaining much muscle because it's not a true muscle building phase. Um, you're also going to ensure that you have a lot of energy flooding in and not be gaining fat as well. So you're trying to have your cake and eat it too, if you will. An actual cake you can have too, if you want. Okay. Which leads me to the second strategy of microcuts. So the first strategy is an extreme lean gain, extremely lean gain, I should call it, not extreme, just an extremely lean gain. The second strategy is microcuts. Now I did an entire episode about this, episode 116, titled Seven Lessons from My Rapid Fat Loss Microcut. Aggressive dieting is not for everyone. Important to say the whole title there. Um, And you can check that out. So it's episode 116, and I have a free guide that goes with it called the Rapid Fat Loss Guide that explains the entire protocol. And in case I don't have the link in this show notes, in the show notes for this episode, you could always go to witsandweights.com slash free. Okay, witsandweights.com slash free, and you can find all those guides in there. So the Rapid Fat Loss Guide is what it's called. And I bring this up because if you if you indeed uh, slowly gain a few extra pounds by being in the lean gain, strategy one I just mentioned, And that's going to happen over months. Like that's not going to happen over days or weeks. It's going to take a long time, but you might actually start gaining very, very slowly over time. You can use this rapid, very aggressive fat loss phase of either a nine day uh, phase or 15 days. 15 days is the protocol I have in there, but you could cut out the last, it's three segments. You can cut out the last segment and do the first two segments if you want to have it even shorter. Um, And that can cut a few pounds of fat while holding on the lean muscle and effectively reset your body composition back to the full leanness that you started with for for the maintenance phase. That makes sense? So you can use a lean gain, and then after a few months, you've packed on an extra three pounds or something, or four pounds, not much at all. That's beyond the water weight I'm talking about. We're talking about just a combination of some muscle and fat. You can then use a two or three, a a nine or 15-day microcut to just lop off a little bit of that fat. So think about that strategy, okay? It's pretty cool. Last thing I want to address is some of the pitfalls I see. Okay, I'm gonna, I, I came up with a list of five common pitfalls during maintenance, how to avoid them, how to troubleshoot them. Um, it is a given, okay? It's a given with all of this that you are continuing to train hard. If you did a proper fat loss phase where you were training hard, keeping the intensity variable high, right? Intensity meaning percentage of your one rep max, right? The load on the bar. Keeping that high during your fat loss phase, you held on to most of your muscle. You're continuing that now back into maintenance, if not training even harder now. Maybe you're training, changing your programming, adding more volume, whatever it is, but you should be able to train even harder. I'm going to assume you're doing that and not even put that on this list. Otherwise, that would be a sixth pitfall of just, hey, you're not training heavy enough. Okay. You got to do that. But here are the five things that I see. Number one, not tracking. <laughs> you knew that was coming. 
not tracking and thus you end up relying on reverse dieting and then it just takes too long or you overshoot your maintenance and you get unnecessary fat gain, the thing that you're probably afraid of. You need to know your expenditure to return to it quickly and achieve full metabolic recovery, taking advantage of that high energy state as soon as possible. And if if you do that in macro factor and you set your, if you go back to maintenance and let's say you're metabolism has been suppressed by like 500 calories since when you started the diet. So you've gone from, let's say 2,500 to 2,000 and now you're, and you, and you were in a deficit below 2,000, of course. Um, and now you're coming back to 2,000. It's okay to want to overshoot that just a little bit when you first start consuming food, like overshoot it by 50 calories or maybe even hundred calories to make sure that you get that recovery because your metabolism might be an over responder and it starts to climb fast and macrofactor can't really like keep up with it because it's just responding a little bit reactively to what's happening whereas you can be even more proactive by overconsuming just a tiny bit but because you know that number the overconsumption is controlled it's restrained to just to, just the right amount to push it along okay so tracking is going to help with all of that number 2 the second pitfall is freaking out because of the initial weight bump and going back into a diet in response or even worse slightly under eating and thinking you're at maintenance, but still being in a a diet. (laughs) So this is more of an intentional thing. This is not the accidental one. This is you being scared, seeing the weight go up. Oh no, I must be gaining fat. And now you you step back and you under consume, even though the target is telling you eat 2000 calories and you're like, "Eh, I'm just going to, I'm going to try to stay lean. I'm going to eat 1900 calories. You're shooting yourself in the foot by doing this because you're not trusting the process and you're not getting the recovery. And guess what you're doing? You are just prolonging your diet. And now you're not, you're you're going to mentally think you're not in a diet while you're in a diet. And you're not going to lose any weight either because it's so small of a diet. You get the worst of all the worlds. It's a lose, lose, lose. So even though you might freak out, trust the process. Number three, not increasing carbs enough and taking advantage of the energy and hormonal recovery, or conversely, reducing protein and compromising your muscle retention and recovery. So I'm combining this all into one. Protein should be about the same. Fats will come up a bit and carbs will come up a lot. That's what it should look like. Don't be afraid of carbs. Embrace them. Again, unless you're on a specific protocol that's a lower carb approach and you're increasing calories by increasing fats and protein, like on a keto diet, for example, unless you're doing that, and if that's you, cool, do that. Um, for most people, they want to have the extra carbs, but they don't want to have the extra carbs, if you know what I mean. <laughs> they know they need it. They know the target, the new targets say they need it, but something about it, e- eating all those extra carbs doesn't seem right to them for some reason. You know who you are if you're listening. And what we want to do there is think about carbs as the missing fuel that that we can finally introduce into our body from that fat loss phase. It was one of the most critical fuel sources we were missing. And now that we're going to get it back, ooh, watch what happens to our lifts. Watch what happens to our sleep. Watch what happens to our hormones. Watch what happens to our metabolism. Your metabolism should go up faster once you have that recovery. So don't be afraid of carbs. Embrace them. Number four, the fourth common pitfall I see is reducing your movement or your steps just because you're not in fat loss anymore, right? Many of us, we will ramp up our step count during fat loss. We'll go from like 8,000 steps a day to 12, 14,000 steps a day. Like, yeah, this is great. I'm keeping that expenditure high. 
And then you get out of the diet and you're like, okay, I can go back to 6,000 steps or 8,000 steps. Well, that's going to blunt the metabolic recovery because you're reducing your energy flux. If the amount of steps you were able to get during fat loss is sustainable and it didn't feel forced, keep that up, right? Like keep that, keep that consistent. Don't give it up just because you think you don't need it anymore. It, it can only help. It helps with cardiovascular health. It helps with metabolic health, your energy flux for your metabolism, your resilience, your digestion, your blood sugar control, your sleep. It helps with all that stuff. Hunger signals, right? Keep it up. Now, if you were, let's say, artificially bumping your step count during um, fat loss with some extra cardio or some extra walks that were not quite sustainable, but you were doing them for the fat loss phase... Well, I, then naturally I could understand why those would come down a bit. Just know that that can cause a little bit of an offset in your expenditure. It may not, right? It may not. Like I've seen plenty of folks, myself included, that you're lifting so much harder and your body is so much more relaxed now because you have calories coming in that even though your step count went down, it doesn't really make much of a dent in your expenditure. It, it's a very complex multivariate system we've got going on with our body here. The last, the fifth common pitfall is adding in too much processed food instead of sticking with the approach that you developed during fat loss, which is nutrient density, high protein, high fiber, right? Yes, we want to have flexibility. That's the whole point of something that you can stick with. But also we want to keep those current habits and the discipline you've developed going. So what I recommend when the calories come up and it's mostly in the form of carbs, just scale up some of the carbs you were eating and reintroduce some of the whole food sources of carbs that you've been missing, whether that's oats, rice, uh, rice, um, quinoa, you know, uh, starches, fruits, um, you know, even breads and pastas, but just things you've been missing that are mostly whole foods before you go to the processed foods. Now, I, having said that, the extra calories does give you a little bit more room for an indulgence or two beyond what you had before, right? So. If that helps you stick with your diet and you plan it in, please do that. Like that is the point of all of this. And now you have more calories to play with. So for sure. But a common pitfall is going straight for those indulgences instead of just scaling up the whole foods first. Okay. I, th I hope this was helpful. Um, I think that covers everything about maintenance that I wanted to address within a, you know, hour long at most podcast episode. Um, and this is based on my experience with clients over the years, my education in nutrition, you know, researching for this podcast, and there's, there's always more to learn. And one thing that I have learned is that living at maintenance can be deceptively simple. So as with any phase of your nutrition, skills like mindfulness, consistency, adaptability, these are going to be your big mental friends. Many of the clients in my program who get through the three, not get through, they, they thrive and um, complete the three or six months and achieve their fat loss goal, and they usually lose between, let's say, 20 and 60 pounds of fat. It's pretty common. They then find that they want to continue working together because of the intricacies of this transition from the cut to maintenance and maintaining results. So again, Neil, thank you for bringing this up because it, it, it is a common problem that we solve um, when we talk about nutrition, but I don't talk about it enough on the show. Maintenance is also a great time to assess, to assess your future goals, your next phase. This can be very exciting if you're a planner like me. It's a time to take a breath, let things stabilize, and then say, okay, I, I do want to build muscle, but I, I need to take a break. I didn't want to like overshoot and gain too much weight too quickly. So took my time. I sat here at maintenance for a month, two months, three months. Uh, maybe I, it allowed me to deal with some other things in my life that have nothing to do with my fitness. 
And now I can plan ahead and think very thoughtfully, mindfully, carefully, maybe talk to a coach, maybe reach out for a call with Philip, a free call, and talk about what is next and let's map it out. Um, so whether you're there or not, you know that I can help get there if you want to reach out, as can our community. Um, if you're not ready to apply for coaching, of course, I always have spots for those free results breakthrough calls with me. Think of it like an audit of your nutrition and training, where I help you get clarity on the most important two or three, maybe four, but probably two or three steps that you can take right now to get unstuck and move in the right direction. Like we mentioned before, maybe it's just something you're not tracking and I can help identify that for you. These aren't sales calls. They're not sales pitches. Feel free to ask others in the Facebook community who've had these calls with me and they'll tell you all about it. Um, They are conversations to get you clarity. It's just a 30-minute Zoom call with another human being. Just go to witsandweights.com and click free call or click the link in my show notes. Again, it's witsandweights.com and click free call or click the link in my show notes for the three, three, no, for the free 30-minute results breakthrough session. Um, Given that it is cost-free and risk-free, you have nothing to lose other than maybe speeding up losing fat. Oh, see what I did there. Okay, in our next episode, 137, unlock abundance in fitness and every other aspect of life with Rebecca Whitman. Rebecca shares her philosophy of the seven pillars of abundance, challenging us to rethink how we balance our lives with an emphasis on physical abundance. It was a great conversation. If you've heard Rebecca before, um, she goes on a lot of podcasts and talks about these pillars, but I really wanted to dial in on the physical abundance piece for you, the listener, who I know that's really what we care about on this show. From her unique approach to her morning routine, we talked about uh, embracing abundance, building resilience, being more consistent, reshaping your identity, all of those things to harness your full potential. So check that out. As always, stay strong, and I'll talk to you next time here on the Wits and Weights podcast. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Wits and Weights. If you found value in today's episode and know someone else who's looking to level up their wits or weights, please take a moment to share this episode with them and make sure to hit the follow button in your podcast platform right now to catch the next episode. Until then, stay strong. Hey, before you go, I want to let you know about a free resource I have. They are free guides on everything from fat loss to eating out to building muscle to managing hunger to figuring out the best macros for you and more being added all the time. You want to get the most out of these podcasts and your time to look and feel your best, and these free guides will give you a quick and easy way to know what to do. If you want to get your hands on these completely free guides, you can head over to witsandweights.com slash free. That's witsandweights.com slash free to get your free guides and level up your results today.